For the show, Al. Yeah, because the Lakers and the Nets are playing on Christmas Day. Yes, sir. And yeah, because, well, I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to look over your shoulder here. Are those your bags packed by the door? Are you are you really just getting ready nah. to walk out of here right after nah. we're done? No, nah, absolutely not, man. Don't believe anything. Don't believe any of that. <laughs> I think that's Every, exactly Anywhere I go, this headset's coming with me. It might not be plugged into anything, but <laughs> it's coming with me. You're just going to go through your vacation. Hey, uh, sir, can we help you? No, nah, I'm just here to have dinner. Uh, you, you need the headset? No, nah, I'm good. I just I'll, I, the, the mic lifts up. I can just stuff the food in my mouth with the mic turned up on my head. I'm good to go. Just you out excited of nowhere, to get out of here? Just out of nowhere, I'm just going to start doing bunch of funch uh, international. <laughs> just, what will that sound like? You should have this audition. I love it. I, I am, but here's the thing, and you guys know this, and Trav, you just came back from vacation. Does it just seem like everything just has to happen before you go on vacation? Like everything. Like every <laughs> single detail you could possibly think of. You know, every every personal thing, every profession, everything just kind of all crashes together here before you leave. But it's all good. No, that's the uh, way no that it works. I'm just I'm just impressed that you've made it this far into the show, being fully present. I'm I'm deeply deeply impressed. That's very good news. All right, let's get right to it because this just came down in the last couple of minutes. It's yeah. not official, but if Woj is putting it out there, it's all but official, right? Sounds the shady Lakers, from Woj. Sounds yeah, right? Super shady. I don't know who's this Woj guy. That's not going to work. Um, Lakers and Nets on Christmas and. If you told me who are the Lakers going to play on Christmas, I would have said, well, they're going to play the Nets, of course. That's just that's how it's going to go. You put your marquee matchups on that day. It's kind of the unofficial opening of the NBA season. It doesn't make it any less exciting. I know that we're going to get it to open up the, the preseason, but you know, if I'm being honest, who gives a damn? A preseason just doesn't matter at all. I, I can't wait for Christmas to get here. For the first time since I've been eight years old wanting those Star Wars figures, I want Christmas to get here. Well, here's the thing, Trav. I don't think it always happens like this. Sometimes it's more geographical, right? Like you're just kind of thinking of, all right, are Lakers going to play? Use as example, they've played the Clippers in the past, right, most recently. Um, There have been other times. They have Dallas last season. I want to say they had Dallas last year because the season started on December 22nd. Mm -hmm. They started the season against the Clippers. So – uh, if you said, hey, pick any two teams you want to watch on Christmas, it's a no-brainer. It's Lakers and the Nets. But they didn't do Nets and Knicks because that's in New York and they're keeping it that way. Trev, this is freaking – it makes you – know, you know who I think of when I see this matchup? I think of Michael Thompson about how he's going to continue to say, oh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Can This is going to be a finals preview. It's going to feel like an NBA finals game. The amount of media that's going to be there, it's fantastic that they're starting it that way. we got a long way to go before we get there. It's still the middle of August, and it's 180 degrees outside, so it's hard to kind of put yourself in a yeah. Christmas frame of mind right now. But you wonder what the response to it's going to be. First of all, who knows what we're going to get? We're going to get the Lakers and the Nets, but do, does that mean that you get KD, Kyrie, and James Harden against Russell Westbrook, AD, and LeBron James, or do you get four of those six? Do you get three of the six? Do you get? Do you just you just don't know what it's going to be. But let's let's play it out for a second. If you did get all of those guys, both teams have their big threes, and you're getting ready to go. Does the result matter a whole bunch at that? Because I, I, I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be exciting. Anytime you get a bunch of good players playing against each other, that's always a good night. But it's about a month and change into the season. It doesn't mean yeah. that either of these two teams are finished products. I think um, I think there could be games, especially you're only going to face Brooklyn twice, right? Like, that's it. You get them once in Brooklyn, once in L.A., 
and then the only other time you could face each other is in the uh, in the finals. So mm-hmm. does it mean anything? Yeah, I think it does. I, I'll tell you why. I think, you know, throughout the season, there are some statement games. You remember before COVID hit and the Lakers were struggling against good teams, and then they had this weekend where they were going to face the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. That was going to be on a Friday and Sunday. And if the Lakers didn't win those games, people would have been like, yeah, you know, we told you. Lakers just, they're not for real. They can't beat good teams. But then they won both. Everybody felt like they were statement games. And then, you know, COVID hit from there. So I, I, I don't think that, I think these these types of games, especially when you're playing somebody only twice a year, I do think they mean something. I, I think they mean something under incredibly narrow parameters. And here's what mm-hmm. I mean. It will be meaningful if either of those two teams kick the other team's ass and all six guys play. Mm -hmm. That's meaningful. If LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Westbrook go out there and beat the Nets by 15, 18 points, and KD, Kyrie, and James Harden all play, that's meaningful. Flip it the other way. If the Nets do it to the Lakers and they blow them out, then you're like, oh, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. But anything less than that is another game. I know it's a fun game, but how, how many times did we say it last year? Wait till the playoffs. Wait till the playoffs. Health, 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 health. That what it looks like in December, I can almost bet you anything you want. That's not what it's going to look like by the time you get to the middle of April, and that's what the playoffs are. You know what? Uh, what I'm most looking forward to here this upcoming season, and I don't think we talk enough about it, but I think sometimes we forget. This is Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant, right? Like there's a there's never been a mono a mono matchup between these two since he left the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? When, once he left and he went to the Golden State Warriors, that was it. You know, he really had no chance, had no matchup, had no opportunity to beat the, one another. Like, you could look at LeBron and Kyrie. Maybe that's a cool storyline, but it's the Russell Westbrook getting a legitimate chance against Kevin Durant that, for the first time, it kind of, you know, LBJ has already gone up against all these guys. LeBron versus Kevin Durant. The Westbrook KD thing is interesting to me. And, oh, by the way, the NBA, you know, you were you were mentioning this doing that preseason game, Chargers and the Rams. I've already um, blanked that from my memory, but go ahead. The preseason game that the Lakers will have to start the season will be Brooklyn and the Lakers. So let's just say the NBA really understands their audience and they know what people want. I want to get to the Dodgers here in just one second, but one last thought on Westbrook because what you said, that it made a cold shiver go down my spine. Westbrook thinking he's going mano a mano with Durant. If it's, hey, the Lakers with Russell Westbrook going mano a mano with the Nets and Kevin Durant – Cool. I'm all. I'm all for that. Well, let, let, let me th- let me explain it. Let me let me explain because I I think Trav, what I mean by that is, for the first time, Westbrook will be on a team that can beat Kevin Durant's yes. team. I I and understand. That's what, that's what you meant. I I get that. My fear though is that Russell Westbrook's like, okay, finally I have a school. Watch this. Shot. 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 That's what I fear because that they that dude's got that gear in him. Do you think? And, and I know for some of those who have hesitation about Westbrook, do you think that let, – let's put it this way. He's 32 right now. He'll be 33 as the season just kind of progresses. This is his greatest shot to win a championship since the you know days in Oklahoma City where they had you know good chances there. Do you think just kind of over his career, is that is that still a concern of yours, that he'll come to the Lakers and it will be a I got to do everything, put everything on my shoulders – do you do you worry about that? Has he been a different player at all since he came into the league? I mean, he's a little better. He's gotten better at some things, but is he a, a but, different? But do, you, do you hear the scenario? He's ever been? I did. Do you hear but, the scenario? But, like I played out there. there. There's a reason that 
zebras don't change spots or leopards or whatever animal that is or old dogs with new tricks. And there's a reason those things exist. There's a reason that those phrases exist because people don't really change. They might change minutely. They might make little adjustments along the way. Once in a blue moon, somebody will have a radical transformation in the way that they see the world. But it doesn't happen very often, so, and that's so my fear. I think that's the probably the primary difference I have with those that are not crazy about the Westbrook move. I, I really genuinely believe that at this stage of his career, remember the last couple of years he's played, whether it was with James Harden, whether it was Paul George, they never had a chance to win a championship. They just didn't. like that, Or, or even this past stint with Bradley Beal. So Russ is kind of, you know, I guess in this, yes, I'm an all-star, I'm an M- not MVP, but even though he's won MVP before, I could put up triple doubles. But he wasn't really playing for anything because did you really have a chance to win a chip? I might be more the, – the reason why I have less hesitation or worry about Westbrook is because I think this stage of his career, now he gets a chance to play LeBron and AD, he will have that sacrifice. It's yet to be seen, right? We'll have to wait and see. But maybe that's my different viewpoint from you. I think he'll adjust, and I get what you're saying, that players like this this late in their career don't adjust, but I think he will. Travis and Slee is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. I know that it's still warm. I know that we haven't gotten into the final month of the season. I know we haven't gotten into pennant race baseball quite yet. There's not that snap in the air and all those things you hear when you talk about October baseball. It changed. Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly when something changed, but there was something in the way that the Dodgers have approached Mm -hmm. these last handful of games, the games against the Mets, the game last night against the Pirates. There is an edge to this group. There is a sense of desperation from the very first pitch of the game all the way through the last inning last night when Kenley Jansen was out there getting the final out that there's some electricity, some buzz, that the Dodgers have flipped that switch. They are playing really, really high-level, desperate baseball, and I love it. Do you remember this, Trav? Maybe, was it a month ago or so, Dave Roberts had a clip talking about a sense of urgency? Mm -hmm. I think Mookie might have even said it as well. Mm -hmm. You heard these guys, like, they were, it's like they were waiting for something. And, you know, you you can't, I I guess the best example I could give, you have to either create that sense of urgency or it's not coming. It's not going to happen. And I think that's interesting the way you just kind of described it right there because, I was doing some shows with Kirk last week, and all I kept harping on was this was after they lost to the Phillies 2-1. Right, last game of the series. And it was, here we go again, another one-run loss. Another game you lose in the standings to the San Francisco Giants. Now you got the series coming up against the Mets. Since since that moment, I know they've won um, four in a row since that game, but three of those four games were close games. They were extra innings. They were one-run games. Um, and when you say that sense of urgency, no, I, I kind of I get it. I know what you're saying. I, I feel like if you're the San Francisco Giants and here you are dominating baseball through the first five or four and a half months of the season and you've put yourself in a position where you feel like we are the best team in baseball, whether they are or not in a seven-game set or, or a, in a series – doesn't it feel like they should be up more than the Dodgers? They're only up four games. And I know that sounds like – maybe I'm making it sound like that's not a lot, but the Dodgers are still right there. Every single night, they're not – You know, could they have folded a couple of these games? I, I think that sense of urgency you're talking about, you're starting to see, and these players are certainly coming through in, in some of these uh, more clutch games uh, 
end of games that you got to get uh, you got to get runs, you got to get victories. I think there's two things in there. Let, let's, let me start with the first one, and that is the idea of a sense of urgency. I, I don't know if it's a Dave Roberts quote. I don't know if it's him saying something in the clubhouse. I don't know if it's saying him, you know, something to somebody coming in the dugout after scoring a run or whatever. Because I really don't think that urgency is a tangible thing. I can't tell you, hey Al, I, I need you to have a sense of urgency today. Okay, you 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 either feel it or you don't, and it's mm-hmm. gonna the feelings are gonna come from outside factors. The Dodgers didn't decide to start playing urgently. The Dodgers didn't decide to start playing with a, an edge, a sense of desperation. It's because they have to. <laughs> it's not something that you know Clayton Kershaw. Didn't, All right, guys, everybody sit down. Hey, uh, it's what is it today? It's uh, it's August fourth. You know what? I think today is the day we should start playing with this heads of urgency. These guys, it doesn't work like that. That's not, that's not where those feelings come from. Those feelings come from deep inside you. Those feelings come from looking at the calendar and saying, you know what? We only have about 50 games left. We haven't, caught, we haven't chipped a game off these guys' lead in a month. They're not coming back. They're not going to have that bad stretch that we thought. We are running out of time. That's where it comes from. It, it is a real thing that is coming from outside places, and I'm glad that it showed up when it did because you're right. There's two different ways to look at this. This is the second part of what you're talking about. The discouraging portion of this is, hey, damn, we won again. We came from behind in the seventh inning last night and won again, and you look up, Giants win. We're still mm-hmm. four back. That's mm-hmm. the discouraging part of this where you just can't seem to reel them in at all. The flip side of this is, the Giants are playing out of their minds. Mm-hmm. They, I, don't, I don't think they've lost a game in six years. They, they just continue to win and win and win. And you would think that they're looking at the paper every morning, or I guess the Internet's probably a better explanation at this point, and saying, wait, we're still only four. Shouldn't we be ten up on these guys by now? We haven't lost in a month, and these guys are still right there. As, as discouraging as it is as a Dodger fan to look at this and think that they haven't chipped off any, any games – I would think that there's a sense of, oh, God, we can't shake these guys. Because in the back of their minds, while maybe a 2-8 and eight stretch isn't coming, 5-5 five and five is a possibility. 4-6 mm-hmm. and six is a possibility. The Dodgers aren't going to go 10-0 and 0 while the Giants go 1-9. and nine. That, That's just not going to happen. But the Dodgers could go 7-3 and three where the Giants go 5-5. Five and five. The Dodgers could go 8-2 and two where the Giants go 6-4. and four. That's a real possibility, and that's where the Giants probably are looking at this thinking, you know, we're playing awfully well. We're 10 games clear of everybody else in Major League Baseball except for these jokers who are right on our tail right now. As a Dodger fan, that makes me feel pretty good about it. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. I, I like that because you're, you're looking at it. If you're the Giants, yes, we got a four-game lead. Yes, we're holding off the Dodgers. But, damn, every time we get a W, they grab a W. That if we, if we just – and this just happens in the course of 162 games – um, if we just lose two in a row and the Dodgers win two in a row, talk about the pressure that the Giants now have on their back. Because it's not out of the ordinary, like you mentioned, for that to happen. They've been playing fantastic baseball, but the Dodgers are still within striking distance. So it's flawless baseball by the by the Giants and for the uh, for the Dodgers. They're playing good baseball. They're playing great baseball, and they're still, still within striking distance. All right, coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to go back to the Lakers, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Tim Bontem said, where he does not think that the Lakers have a better roster than they did last year. But coming up next... I have a big change I want to make with the Dodgers, and it needs to start now. I'll tell you what it is. It's Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Lakers and Nets on Christmas Day, according to reports. You're also going to get the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz, Slee. And I'm, I'm here for, look, Luka has entered that area where I don't care who he's playing. If I'm flipping channels and I see oh, yeah. a Luka Doncic game, I'm stopping and I'm watching that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's no question about it. And I think it's one of those things, too. You know, for NBA fans, that's what you're looking for. Give me some good matchups, and, uh, and we're certainly going to get that on Christmas. You know, I forgot to ask you. Did yep. you see the videos of us on the giant scoreboard at SoFi Stadium? I saw it. Um, Carlos sent it to me. Uh, Carlos Isu, who's in our uh, social media. Yeah, listen, Trav, what do you want me to tell you? It's just another day in the office, you know? <laughs> just another... <laughs> No, it's pretty damn cool. Pretty damn cool. I- I'm sorry. Say that again, Alec. Couldn't hear you. I said uh, it's pretty damn cool. Just kind of in in kind of the you know the kind of the whole scope of things. The fact that you and I are sitting in Ram Stadium on that freaking jumbo board, yeah, pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 more than that. It's mm-hmm. it, it's I can't remember the last time I took a picture of me and sent it to a bunch of other people that I know. You know what I mean? That I, I it's it's when I saw us doing Ask Slee with Rampage on the giant scoreboard, I sent it to my mom, my dad, my buddies, my wife, my kids. I'm like, look at me, I'm a pretty big deal. I'm all yeah, over the giant board so far. Listen, we already have known that you're so full of yourself. The reason why I try to downplay it is because <laughs> we don't need your ego to get any bigger than it already is. So a lot of the times that's the main reason why I'm I'm a little quick to kind of change the conversation on this. So just kind of tame it a little bit, all right? Once Plus, we're up, this is the next one. Can we get it Staples Center? That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, well, we need That's all Dodger Stadium, for. Staples Center, Honda Center, everywhere that we want. The Big A, <laughs> we, we, all of it. We should, we should be all over Southern California. And we were outside, too, on the marquees going in. Just the little, our little picture right there. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased. And it bothered Mason, which is probably the best part of all. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's right at the top of the list. You know Mason's going to get his love at uh, SoFi. <laughs> you know he's going to get his love. Not yet. <laughs> we will see. We will absolutely see. All right, it's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Kenley Jansen pitched last night, Slee, and Dodgers yep. won. They win 2-1, mm-hmm. to one, and he gets the save. And he faced four guys and, you know, gave up the one double to Satsugo down the left field line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, not the end of the world, but it was – let me ask you the same question I've asked you a hundred times before. When he comes out there in the ninth inning, how'd you feel about that? Um, it's same, and I, Trav. To be honest with you, I don't think anything changes. You know, I, I don't think I think Dodger fans are going to feel the same way. I think we're finding a way to bring this up in a conversation, and and I I don't think that changes in the near future. I agree. Let me ask you another question. Okay. When they had a couple of guys on base in the seventh yep. inning with two outs, and mm-hmm. they went to the bullpen and bought in Blake Trinan, how'd you feel? Uh, one pitch, and the inning was over. Um, listen, I, and I'm not here trying to tell you that. Uh, Trinan's going to become the next uh, Mariano Rivera or Trevor Hoffman. Nobody's saying that. Uh, by the way, in, in some of those circumstances, the next Kedley Jansen, you know, obviously it is uh, in his prime there. Um, but you said something right there. He doesn't have to be. And I, I think 
I don't feel like anything is going to change for Dodger fans when Kenley comes in and you're not playing the Pirates and you have a one-run lead and you're playing the San Francisco Giants or you're in a wild card game or whatever the case is. So to answer your question, I don't think anything is going to change not only from that feeling, but I also don't feel like Dave Roberts is going to do anything about it. Do you think Do you think the rest of the season, circumstances like this, one-run game, he's going to stop going to Kenley? I, I, I want to, before we get to that, no, I yeah. don't, and I think that's a problem. But I want to ask Dodger fans this. Blake Trinan came in that game last night, how did you feel? Versus when Kenley Jansen came into that game with a one-run lead, how did you feel? Mm-hmm. Th- th- those are the contrasting feelings because I think this is the only – scenario where what the fans feel and what the manager and what the players feel are actually quite similar right I I think that you know as fans sometimes we let our emotions and quite frankly our lack of inside knowledge affect the way that we're looking at these things like oh why does he do this or that well 99 times out of 100 there's a very good reason that they do these things but the guts the feelings that that uneasy feeling when you see a certain player come into a game the, the uneasy feeling that you would get when you would watch Jared Goff drop back to pass last season. That same, oh, God, what's going to happen now, right? Mm -hmm. I think those are the few things that do translate between fan, player, and coach. I think that what you're feeling, what I'm feeling, and what everybody's feeling is similar to what Dave Roberts and the Dodgers are feeling when Kenley comes in. And I also think that the feeling of Blake Trinan coming in is entirely different. Look, here is just some cold, hard math right here, okay? Blake Trinan has a better whip than Kenley Jansen. Walks, hits, innings pitched. He has more strikeouts in fewer innings than Kenley Jansen. He has the experience of being a closer. He pitched really, really high leverage innings in the World Series last year. He had a 38-save season with the A's a few years ago. He is an experienced closer along the way. He has a higher war, wins above replacement, than Kenley Jansen. There really are not any numbers. Now, some of them are close. You know, His ERA is better by about a run. uh, Trinan's is there are some that are close but there are very few numbers where Kenley Jansen's are better than Blake Trinan's now the flip side of this is pitching the ninth inning is different than pitching the other innings if I would here's what I'd like to see happen I know this isn't going to happen what I'd like to see happen is you know what Blake Trinan's our guy moving forward and we're going to do this that's never going to happen he's not going to do that but what you could do is dip your toe in the water a little bit and by that I mean is hey we're going to give Kenley an off day today Mm-hmm. air quotes, off day. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have Blake trying to pitch the ninth. Let's take a look. Let's maybe see a couple of those off days, those scheduled off days that we have where maybe Trinan is pitching that ninth inning instead of Kenley Jansen because the high wire act, the emotions that come along with Kenley Jansen right now, I just, I, I think everybody knows that the inevitable is coming with him at an important moment, and I would like to have my plan B start to becoming the plan A. Well, I think also, too, to play on top of that, don't you want Trinan to get some reps? Don't you want to get him some runway in that ninth inning? Because if push comes to shove and you're forced in the postseason to have to go to Trinan because Kenley gave up a run, something happened, right? Whatever the scenario is, right? And now you th- now you feel like, you know what? No, we got to go to Trinan. We can't go to Kenley. Don't you want him to have a little bit of that experience with the Dodgers pitching some ninth inning games For where sure. it's on his shoulders? So I think that's, that, that's part of your point. But this, this is a question that I have. Dave Roberts wants to win a World Series as much as any other Dodger fan, as much as you do. What do you think is in his mind? Why do you think, if this is such a natural conversation and you bring up the question of how do you feel when Kenley comes in versus how do you feel when Trinan comes in, 
what is his game plan? What do you think he's thinking in his mind? No, this is why I cannot do this and I will not do this. Okay, I, th- I think I have an answer to that, and I think it's this. He knows that he can make the switch in the World Series. He knows that assuming that Blake Trinan is healthy and if Kenley Jansen struggles in the playoffs, he can do what he did last year with Julio Urias, only do it with Trinan. Say, look, I, I can't do this anymore. But he, you got to go back. It feels like a million years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. Do you remember what it felt like when they blew that game against the Rays in the World Series, when all hell broke loose in that ninth inning and Kenley's standing in the middle of the field and guys are making errors and he's not sure. backing up and guys are on base all over the place and guys are getting base hits. It was just a it was just a circus, just everything that could go wrong. And it took something like that for them to say, no more. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to go to Urias. We're going to use Trinan. We're going to use some other guys in these situations. I think probably in the back of Dave's mind, He's probably thinking, I do have an escape hatch in Trinan. He if knows he has that as an it, option. I can't do it. But I want you to listen to something that John Smoltz said. I want you to listen to this because it's not just as easy as, oh, okay, you've been pitching the eighth inning. Let's go pitch the ninth inning. Not everyone can just step into that role. This is John Smoltz earlier on KJZ. I honestly think in sports sometimes people think you're not supposed to be honest. You're not supposed to say certain things. That probably would have been maybe you know a few years back kept under wraps but i think it's just pure honesty of a guy that that knows he's not right and didn't want to hurt his team or put his team in situations where he felt like until he got right and he just spoke to it you know i mean it was just i think he was just being honest and and it can be misread and misinterpreted but i just think he was being honest in in the fact that where he was in the past and what he's been able to do in his career he's been as nasty as they get right now due to some of the injuries and the time that he has missed, you can't afford to not be right in the ninth inning. You can afford to give up some runs in the seventh and eighth and still have a chance to win. You never want to give up runs. But what people don't understand, I think people are starting to learn in the whole industry of baseball, whether you compute it in a computer or not, you can't just choose any guy to be the ninth inning guy. Okay, so what Smoltz was talking about, Zach Britton is closing the ninth innings for some Yankee games, and he basically said, I, I, don't, I, I'm, I don't deserve this. We should go in a different direction. That's what he's talking about, the honesty and all that. But the last part of that is the part that I think is the nugget, which is you can't just pitch anybody to pitch the ninth inning. Let's see what it looks like. Let's start to transition that because Dave's not going to – he's not going to do it. He's made it very clear because if it was going to happen, it would have happened at the end of last season. He's going to continue to give him some shots, but he better have Trinan ready to go, and he better start sprinkling those in in your opportunities because those opportunities, if they come in the DS, the CS, or the World Series, you don't want it to be the first time he's done it in a year. Well, there's a, there's a way to do it. You have you know, each one of these games. You know, p- Part of this too, Trav, when you're still fighting for the division and you're four games back, you're not just, well, let me try this, let me try that. You need every one of these games. So Trinan is actually going to probably get opportunities between now and the end of the season. That are high leverage situations. That are late innings, you know, eighth, ninth inning, or whatever the case is. So I think you said it best that Dave Roberts has an escape route to take, that he could take a similar blueprint that he did in last year's World Series run. But to ultimately ask, uh, answer your question, how do you feel when Kenley's in versus how do you feel when Trinan's in? I think most Dodger fans have a different feeling. Yeah, we'll take some phone calls on that. 877-710-ESPN. We'll get back to Real Dodger Talk coming up in about 30 minutes. But coming up next, Tim Bontemps is saying that the Lakers are not as good as they were just one year ago. Maybe that's not the comparison we should be looking at. And we got the Lakers opening night matchup. That's all coming up. Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I already asked you if you saw us on the big board at SoFi Stadium during the Rams and the Chargers, but let me ask you a different question. Okay. Did you see me and Kirk on the big board up at SoFi during the Rams preseason game? No, did not see that. So so was that just uh, promoting pre and post? Yeah, pre well, and half. Come on. Why, why right. does everybody leave off the half? I don't understand why my performance at halftime does not merit the same response that my performance in the pregame and I'll give the you, I'll tell you why. Merit. I'll tell you why. Why? Because I think this is what happens at halftime. <laughs> at least for me, when I'm at Staples Center and I know halftime is starting and I'm giving kind of my rundown and my breakdown and playing some highlights, uh-huh. I just see all the fans leaving. They're all going to the concessions. <laughs> they're all going to the bathroom. They're all, like, taking off, going to different places. I'm waving at them. Hey, guys, no, no, just uh, I got a three-minute here, <laughs> halftime. And then this is what I'm going to get into after that. They're like, for sure, Al, I'm going to go get Look, a pretzel. I, I'm not expecting people inside SoFi to run out to their cars and listen yeah. to me at halftime. <laughs> what, what I'm talking about is you, you, my partner, the yes. person that we are in this together. You yeah. can at least give me the respect that I deserve by mentioning my halftime performances as well. Listen, I'm not – if, if you're doing halftime and I'm in the car and I'm listening, um, I'm going to give it the proper respect. I might tune out for a couple of minutes and then turn back in, all right? Just a couple of minutes. Flip, flip a podcast minutes. I, need a, I need a break, too. I need a break from the action. Yeah, I kind of get that. I kind of get that. Travis Lee is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. How about this? We know that the Lakers are going to play the Brooklyn Nets on Christmas night. We know that the... Lakers are going to open up with the Warriors on October 19th. That's some breaking news right there. And breaking news on 710 is brought to you by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for locations and coupons today. That's another one that I'm really well, excited to see. Let, let me tell you this. I'm as excited about that matchup than I than I am the uh, Lakers and the Nets. And I'll tell you why. I've, I've said this a couple times now. First of all, don't you just want to see Clay Thompson playing basketball again? I yes. mean, one of one of the easy, and I know we work with Michael, but put that aside for a second. Such an easy guy to root for. Uh, obviously, coming from you know these injuries these last couple of years, yeah, it's crazy. Guy hasn't played since that game six against the Toronto Raptors back Hard in 2019. Believe. You know that's Hard how long believe. it's been. But with all that being said, look, if there's one team that gives me a little hesitation in the Western Conference. The Warriors not only have those three champions, but they got assets to go get something else. Yeah, they do. They got assets to go get one more player. So you get Lakers and the Nets on opening night. You get, Or I'm sorry, Lakers and the Warriors on opening night. You get Lakers and the Nets on Christmas. Not a bad couple of days here to get things started. Like you said, I, I can't wait to see Clay. Obviously, I'm terrible. I have a great deal of affection for Michael. Michael's one of my all-time favorite guys that I've ever worked with, and I enjoy him a great deal. But even if Michael had nothing to do with it, Clay's just so much fun to like. We we're talking about oh, we we're yeah. talking about this off the air. Like Luca, you got you, you want to see what he wants to do. Steph, you got to see what he's going to do. Clay's because Clay's one of those guys. If he gets hot, he's gonna he's gonna score twenty points in a quarter. Cold blooded. There's just not too mm-hmm. many guys like that.
So, I mean, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. That's going to be a great opening night as well. Opening night is one thing. What okay. it looks like over the course of a season, of course, is a totally different thing. I want you to listen to Tim Bontemps. He was, uh, he's an ESPN NBA reporter. He was on the jump yesterday. And while it seemed like just about every Laker fan, yeah, talking about you, Flea, was incredibly excited about what the Lakers had done this offseason, Tim Bontemps thinks that they are no better this year than they were a year ago. I mean, the Lakers are going to be the most fascinating team in the league this year. But if you're talking about is this going to change the Lakers' title chances, I think it's nothing. Because you look at this team, and I don't think they're better than last year's team. You know, last year's team had Anthony Davis and LeBron James and a team that had one of the best defenses in the NBA. And they had a real identity. What is the identity of this Lakers team? They have to figure out how Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are going to play together. I don't think that fit's going to be great. They brought in all these minimum players, some of them decent signings. You know, getting guys like Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. You know, Melo can come in and score for them off the bench. Kendrick Nunn was a nice mid-level signing. But it's hard to look at this Laker team and see, here's a coherent vision of how they're going to play. And I, I just think the fit with LeBron and Russ is going to be tough. I, I don't think the defense is going to be good enough. I just don't think this has raised their championship level the way that a lot of people do. Okay, Trav, let, let me respond here. And I mentioned this yesterday. I did Lakers talk last night, Funches and I. It's one thing to make the argument that he's making. He can make the argument. He could say, I'm not sure about that Russell Westbrook, LeBron James fit. I'm not sure about the Lakers defense. I'm not sure about – you could bring up those questions. But when you start making comparisons to would you rather have last year's roster or this year's roster going into the season, mm-hmm. I got a very difficult time understanding Tim Bontemps' point. I really do. Let, let's, let, me, let me first say this. Let's talk about the Lakers' defense. So the Lakers over this uh, you know last couple of weeks, they added Dwight Howard, which every Laker fan wouldn't stop talking about how they wish Dwight Howard was on this Lakers team. Kent Bazemore yep. is a good defender. That's you know obviously going to be in the backcourt for the Lakers. Kind of go down the list. Some of these other veterans, whether it be Trevor Ariza, which you're going to ask him to play 15 minutes a game, nothing more than that. I don't think the Lakers' defense. Russell Westbrook is, you know, obviously a, a player that's always going to give 110 percent on on the defensive side. I question what he's talking about on the defensive end, but just from a sheer um, uh, a sheer roster perspective, there is no question about it that the Lakers thought last year's roster was not good enough to win a championship, which is why they made drastic changes. I don't know how you make an argument when you add another player like Russell Westbrook that the roster is not as good as last season's. I have a very difficult time understanding his angle. I think there's two different things. I think there's two different questions going on that kind of got smushed together. I think that you can not like the moves that the Lakers made, and it has nothing to do with whether or not they're better than they were last year. Don't make that comparison then, right? Like, don't compare the two rosters Yeah. Yeah, I, because for me, I don't like the Russell Westbrook move. I've, I've said it over and over again, and I, you know, maybe I'll be wrong, but we're not going to know until about a, almost a year from right now whether or not I was. I don't like that part. When he talks about the fit, when he talks about the defense, I, I'm with him there, but I saw that Laker team last year just about every single night, and that was not a great mix of players. Okay. But, you know, the injury's kind of mixed. But Dennis Schroeder didn't fit real well. Montrez Harrell didn't fit real well. Alex Caruso was a useful player when LeBron James was on the court. When he wasn't, he was a different player. That all of these pieces that left and all these pieces that are coming, I like the pieces that came back better than the ones that have gone other places. Andre Drummond really didn't fit in very well. I like this mix of guys, whether we're talking about Melo or Ellington or Ariza or any of these guys, I think fit those roles better than they were a year ago. That's different than do you like the blockbuster that they pulled off? I think they're two totally different conversations. 
I think that's probably where this where I get lost in the conversation because if Bontemps is just not making that example of last season versus this season, these two rosters, then he can make a case. You know, and, and you know, I, I'm going to disagree with you, but like we've said before, it's irrelevant for me to disagree with you until they start playing basketball. We start seeing what that yeah. mixes together. We start looking at you know what. Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook look like together when LeBron James is on the bench. Until all that happens, that part's irrelevant. But to try to make a case that last year's um, last year's roster is better than this year's, that's a tough one. That's a stretch for me. That that's definitely a stretch. Last for year's me. roster was out in the first round. I mean, I well, know that there are extenuating circumstances. I know well, that there were injuries and things, but they're out in the first round. How much could it, how how good could it have been? I will if say it were, this: if, it were, if all those ancillary pieces were really effective. I don't know if they get bounced as quickly as they do. I will say this. I will say that we'll never really be able to know how good last year's roster was because some of the circumstances, because some of the injuries, because of COVID-19, because Anthony Davis went out. So I will – if I, if I'm going to give Bontemps anything on that argument is we'll never really know how good that roster was. But obviously Palenka, LeBron James, the front office, didn't think it was good enough. All right, coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to tell you who this year's Dodger MVP is and where exactly is this group of three, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, how it compares to the other big threes in the NBA. But coming up next, can't wait. Bunch of fudge. This is Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think we're going to start just calling you on Thursdays over the next couple of weeks to make sure that you're still up to speed on Bunch of Funch 2, Slee, because that uh, that needs to happen as well. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Funch, what do you got for us? See, well, I think you should just take the Comrex with you wherever you go and <laughs> listen, just do the listen, show. Does WhatsApp work through the Comrex? Can we do, <laughs> can we do that? I think you, as long as you have some internet service somewhere, I think it will okay. work. We'll be good. All right, guys. Uh, this is sort of a test of how honest of a person you can be. Has In South Korea, a man bought a used refrigerator and found $130,000 taped to the bottom of his new fridge. Now, he or the police don't know how or why it's there or how it got there, but the good news is that if no one comes to claim, claim it, which I it's think his. I'm going to throw my name in, uh-huh. the, in the hat or whatever for this money... <laughs> um, he will get to keep the money minus 22% for taxes. And if the owner is found, the man who found a dough will get 5 to 20% of the money has sort of a reward for, you know, turning it in or whatever, you know. Hmm. So let's just say one of you guys bought a used fridge and found $130,000 taped to the bottom of it. Would you keep it? Would you turn it in? What would you do? I'll start with you, Travis. Um, I would 100% let people know that it's there, and not because I'm an honest guy or I you know, want to make sure that my karma is on the right side of the road or anything like that. Anybody that hides 130 grand in a refrigerator is up to no good. Anybody that feels like they need to conceal that amount of money is trying to conceal it from the authorities. And even if you put it out there, right, you say, oh, hey, I found this money, they're not going to go to the police and say, oh, hey, that's my drug money. I'd like that back. What they're going to do is they're going to see the guy on the news or the TV, and it's going to yeah. be, 
in the middle of the night, give me my damn money. That's how that's going to go. So, yes, I would turn the money back over because I don't want my family chopped up into bits in the middle of the night. Yeah, this is where you go wrong, Trev, because what you have to do is immediately spend the money as fast as you can, okay? (laughs) I would want – I'm going to have a huge fat Rolex that just has more diamonds on it than you can imagine. I'm going to have a fur coat. I don't know why I'm going back to, like, the 80s or something. And you're going to wear it in August, too. Yeah, but I have a fur coat in – I'll be in the Inland Empire. Um, and uh, I'm going to spend the money as quick as I can, and then when people ask the question, while I'm wearing the fur coat and the Rolex, I'm just going to say, no idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. I saw nothing. There's nothing there, and the evidence is gone. You so. know, ESPN LA signed me to a new extension. That's how we got the money. <laughs> That's all Middle it was. of the night, Sliwa, I know you had my refrigerator. I don't care about your coat and your watch. I want my money back, or else. That's how that's going to go. Yeah, that's not good. That won't be good. That won't be good right there. Well, I think I'm with Sleevo more. I think I'd keep the money and just not tell anyone and just spend it little by little. Michael Funches found buried in his backyard, chopped up into 19 pieces here on the local news. Well, it would make, go. make a good segment on the show. <laughs> well, if that's the case, sure. Better you than owns, me, I guess. At least he owns the land that he's on because he, he used that money to buy a home. All right, guys. Now I, I got a couple food ones for you. I saved them for Travis especially. Could All not right. do these oh, without okay. you, let, let me say this as well. Last week, Trav, this is what happened. Yeah. I was starting to get these texts or these um, uh, messages on Twitter about like this food thing and this ranking. I'm like, guys. <laughs> Trav's not here. We have to wait <laughs> for Trav to come back. All right, what do you got, Funch? All right, um, so a Russian woman, I'm going to try to say her name, Kisiana Ovinichokova. Nope, we'll just call her a Russian the, woman for now. You got the end wrong. You got the end wrong. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call her Russian woman. Uh, uh-huh. She wants to sue McDonald's because it caused her to break her Lent. Now, I mean, I don't know if you guys know what Lent is. It's a period of 40 days where Christians might give up meat or dairy products for their religious beliefs. So. Yep. The Russian woman says she saw a a McDonald's commercial during Lent, and a spot caused her to go to McDonald's and buy a cheeseburger. You know, w- w- okay, I got it. I got it. Let me <laughs> now let she's me suing. Take over now, here. Let me let me finish. Now yeah. she's suing McDonald's. Forget this. Just the fourteen dollars she spent at McDonald's. Mm. Now I'll she start, just wants the fourteen bucks. She just back. wants the fourteen yep. bucks back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> now, Slee, since you, I see you, you're it's smoking out the ear right now. Let me yeah. let me go to you about this. Okay, first of all, um, attorney fees. Uh, I don't know if this is the best business plan on her end, but let me let me just say this. Uh, as somebody who is Catholic and had to deal with this and still deals with it, you know, Lent, um, the way this works is typically on Friday you give up. You can give up some for 40 days. You could do that. But typically you don't eat meat on Fridays. That's kind of the way we did it, right? Uh, you heard of fish, a filet of fish? That's that's the answer there. Yeah, it's every every Friday. Yeah, it's like $2. The answer there is McDonald's actually has something for you. So you give up meat and you're still eating seafood or you're eating some type of fish product. So this is on her. She got baited into something. She had another option at McDonald's, Trav. <laughs> well, okay, I got two thoughts here. It's Number not one, her. it's not McDonald's fault. She picked a McRib or something along those lines. First of all, don't you dare throw shade in the McRib. That's quality. Number two is what burger did she get that cost fourteen dollars? I mean, it's McDonald's. You got to do some work to try to spend fourteen bucks there. That's a good point. And and, and, and it's number a great three point is, for the defense. She she's not going to order the fillet of fish because, as far as I can tell, my father is the only person that actually eats that sandwich. I have been on this earth for nearly fifty years, been to McDonald's countless times. I'm a I'm a McDonald's fan. I like it. Okay, mm-hmm. and the only person I've ever seen in my life say, "You know what? Give me that fillet of fish." Is my dad. He's the only one that I've ever seen order that. So that's not going to work right there. 
I I don't know what to say. I, I'm su- I'm surprised. I'm more surprised that Travis likes a McRib. I can do. You, can you imagine? He's got pickles. The team of attorneys that McDonald's is putting up together to go after this gal. Can you imagine the money being spent? In this well, litigation. They're probably taking it seriously because wasn't it McDonald's that got sued for having hot coffee? And yep. they yeah, lost I think back in the suit. 80s, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah so That's right. they're probably getting – they're gearing up for uh, legal warfare for sure. What else? think some type of lawsuit against McDonald's. <laughs> All right, guys. We have another food one, another McDonald's one. Yeah. As Do you guys know the name Donald Gortsky? Sure. All right. Well, he Donald Gortsky holds. Tell a, Travis. <laughs> he, well, he holds a Guinness Book of World Records for eating the most Big Macs in a lifetime. Now, since the day of May 12, nineteen seventy-two, Gortsky has eaten a Big Mac every day, and the oh, total is guy. at thirty-two thousand three hundred and forty Big Macs eaten. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't plan on stopping eating Big Macs anytime soon. Sure. And, and sure. in case you're wondering, guys. He's 67 years old, and he looks like a skinny, hippie-looking dude, and he's in great shape. Now, Travis, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think you can eat one particular food every day for almost 50 years? Not a chance. There are many colors to the rainbow. There are many wonderful things out there. And while I am pro Big Mac, it's one of my – it's either going to be a Big Mac or two McDoubles. Those are the two options for me when I go into McDonald's. Those are the good choices. I don't want to have it every day. I don't want to have anything every day. If you force me to say you got to have one thing, I'm probably going to go tacos. That's probably going to be the, the jump-off point for me. But, no, absolutely not. Variety – is a must, especially when it comes to eating things. And the big man, if you're going to pick one thing, the big how, how that guy's on two feet, I have no idea. Remember that Remember that documentary, Supersize Me? You remember that? Where the guy would have to go into McDonald's, he have to eat every single meal, had to be McDonald's for 30 days. Oh, uh, and, yeah, Supersize Me. Right, and if any times you would ask, you know, hey, do you want to supersize it? He had to do it, and he was uh-huh. trying to figure out what to have. Man, I, I get – it's not that I, I – there's a lot of items I could eat over and over and over again, but a Big Mac every single day, maybe a sli- if you said, hey, a slice of pizza every day for your life, I'd probably be okay with that. If there's one item, just because pizza's amazing, put any toppings that you want on it, but I, I don't understand how people do it, and then I don't understand how they get run for it all over these different media outlets, including ours, but it is a fascinating accomplishment if that's uh, if that's what you're trying to do, I don't think I could do it every day for a week, much less for 50 years. Yeah, I think I think you guys have the right answer with tacos and pizza. I think that's the one thing maybe I could do every day for the rest of my life. Uh, maybe I'll give that. Maybe I'll start my taco run today. See see how many days in a row I can do it before I have to tap the mat. All right, the Lakers big three. They're going to face off with the Nets on Christmas Day. Bleacher has them almost dead even. We'll tell you what we think about that matchup. It's coming up next. It's Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN.